Hey, this is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream, Refuge Recovery, and Dharma Punks. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the Dharma. Together, may we create a positive change on this planet. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes. May our paths cross soon. All right. Welcome to Against the Stream. My name is Jason Murphy. This is Monday night. Normally I'm here on Wednesdays. I teach the Wednesday night class. So those of you who've never met me, welcome. Good to meet you. Um, Noah and I have been Dharma friends and he's been my teacher and my cellmate and my running buddy for 35 years. So honored to sit to sit in for him tonight. He's not feeling well and wants to rejuvenate himself before the uh, retreat, which is uh, next week. So I'll be covering for the next two weeks uh, tonight and then also next Monday. Mm, how many people here are going on the retreat? All right. Am I the only one? No, you aren't the only one. There's probably a few hands on the on the Zoom too. So yeah, so we're gonna meditate for a little bit and then we'll open up for some questions and I'm not sure what I'm gonna do yet. I have a couple ideas of what to talk about. But you know, we generally practice uh, meditation someone is. Jibber jabber. We generally practice Buddhist meditation from the Theravadan and the, or, or the Thai forest tradition here. That's what we do. Um, we, that's part of our lineage, our teachers that are monks, um, and some of the first uh, to bring Dharma to the West. Um, we have been, had the honor of training with, sitting with, practicing with, studying for many years. Um, yeah. So why don't we just take a few minutes actually and just kind of turn towards each other. One of the things that we're really kind of big on here is community, is Sangha. And the idea of just kind of turning to someone close to you, just introducing yourself, what brings you here today. Uh, if there was something in your day that you feel like sharing, uh, feel free to do that. And uh, I'm gonna break you guys out in groups. I think I can do that here. Right. Let's see. We'll go four for you guys. See you in a minute. And so, yeah, if you guys can just turn maybe two or three and just take a few minutes, introduce yourselves.
10 seconds. Uh, and we're back. Hopefully that worked. I, I, I kind of don't know what I'm doing. Can you guys give me a nod? Did you guys get to break up into little groups? Okay, great. <laughs> we discussed uh, 80s pop. 80s pop, all right. <laughs> Insure. Was that no? No, that's a drink. What are they, what are they called? Erasure. I don't know. Erasure. <laughs> that's what you came up with, right? It's like mod. I don't know. I have no idea. Eighties pop. MC Hammer. What was that? Um, all right. Well, welcome. How many people were here last week? Great. Did Noah talk about the? Personality types, was that last week? Yeah, okay, well I may continue on that theme because uh, I enjoy it, it's a good theme. And I did think that as far as um, meditation goes, that we would actually work with one of the antidotes to one of the personality types. Um, so that would be the aversive type. And does anyone have an idea what the, an the antidote would be? Loving kindness, yeah, metta. One of the ways you can know that you're an, an aversive type or not is if you don't like loving kindness meditation. <laughs> if you're like resistant to it. Uh, I found this to be true for myself um, early on. And then uh, using, you know, I was kind of attached to resentment. I felt like resentment kind of fueled my life. And um, yeah, Metta helped. So We'll do that as a practice tonight. Um, so how many people have, have done the metta practice? Good, quite a few, great. So just to say a little bit about the heart practices in general, the heart practices are as important as the wisdom practices. And uh, if you think of um, liberation, uh, freedom from suffering, like it's often depicted as like a bird of freedom, that there's two wings. One wing is the wing of wisdom, which is the Dharma and the contemplative and the inquiry and the concentration and mindfulness. And then the other wing, it would be considered the heart practices. And that takes both wings to be strong and balanced for freedom or liberation to take place or to take flight. That's one way to think about it. And for a long time, I had one strong wing and one little chicken wing, right? Mm -hmm. And um, 
because I focused a lot on the wisdom practices, on the concentration practices, I felt like that was my calling. I also just felt like uh, I was young. I'd started martial arts, and that's what started me into the Zen practice, which was very austere and uh, very ardent was the word that they used to use a lot. This is an ardent practice. And uh, so I had this real strength kind of warrior practice for a long time where I would sit for hours and, you know, whatever. I would be in monasteries, and I, I thought that was, you know, the way. And uh, it was helpful uh, to learn how to sit for a long time and to sit through pain and discomfort. Uh, but I also found that when I was off the cushion, I was still as angry, as resentful, as quick to uh, – in the early days, quick to violence, um, at least verbally. And then over the years, I started to realize that I needed to have a softer approach, a little more compassion, a little more kindness, a little more uh, – uh, selfless joy. And this is where the heart practices really came in for me. I'd heard the teachings of the heart practices before, but I was kind of, um, I just kind of dismissed it as the a later addition from the hippies in the late 60s, early 70s. They all came back and they had done a bunch of acid and they were like, yeah, peace and love. And let's add that to the Buddhist teaching and make it more, you know, whatever. Um, so that was my early understanding, which was a total delusion, a misunderstanding. Um, and then later finding, oh, it's as relevant, as important. Same thing like with walking meditation. Those of you who are going on, on the retreat, if you've never been on a retreat before, there's this sitting practice and then there's this walking practice as important, um, as the sitting practice. We tend to emphasize one over the other. And some people emphasize even heart practices over concentration practices or, uh, uh mindfulness practices. And so, you know, all of the Buddhist teachings are all encompassing. And just to kind of run down the list, the metta practice, or what's sometimes are not just the metta practice, but the heart practices, which is sometimes called the Brahma Viharas, the dwelling place of uh, goodness or the, uh, the home of the godliness in some ways is sometimes what it's thought of. Start with metta with this kind of uh, positive regard, friendliness, kindness, developing that within ourselves, towards ourselves, which oftentimes people forget, right? And then, and then extending that out in all directions. Same thing with compassion, uh, having compassion for ourselves, for our own suffering, and then also developing compassion for uh, the others in the world and just suffering in general, the suffering that all beings experience. The third being uh, what I like to call, it's called, often called sympathetic joy, but I like selfless joy. It's one of um, Tanosaro Bhikkhu's uh, uh, translations, which I just find it works better. To me, to the, think of the idea of selfless joy is the idea of uh, having or developing joy in the goodness of others, in the success of others. You know, this is a direct counter to uh, envy or jealousy selfishness. So this idea of uh, selfless joy. And then the third, or the fourth rather, is uh, equanimity, balance, this kind of balanced heart-mind. And so that's, that's the kind of group that I'm calling the compassion wing. And we're going to focus on love and kindness, uh, which 
I'll say a little bit more about, but is an antidote to, um, to ill will or resentment, anger. So finding a posture that's workable, that's sustainable, particularly when doing the heart practices, it's, it's good to uh, sit in a way that feels both relaxed and alert. Um, I pretty much always say that, but um, there's no need to get in a, a position that's going to be painful for you. Although we can send loving kindness to the pain. Good, and just settling in. And just opening to the comings and goings of sound, sounds outside the room. Sounds inside the room. Arriving here. this sitting breathing body. And then in some way, the invitation is to find some kind of contact with your, what's called the heart space or center, or just feeling the breath in the chest. This place of original goodness. Sometimes people call Buddha nature. the heart's honest aspiration for goodness, goodwill, positive regard. And seeing if you can get into some contact. Sometimes I envision a gem a jam of original goodness kind of buried in the chest. And with each breath, this jam glows a little brighter. Bringing some awareness to our own desire for happiness and contentment. for health, ease, well-being.
course, the mind will wander off. It's not a problem. It's just what minds do. Whenever you recognize that the attention has wandered off, the invitation is to reconnect with this center, this heart space. If you like, envision the the gem. And then in inviting some simple phrases, of course, I'll introduce a few phrases. But if you have your own, then just use your own phrases. We'll go through the phrases a few times. This first phrase, may I feel safe. May I feel safe in this world, in this body, in this life. May I feel safe. I'm just repeating that phrase. So the rhythm of the breath or saying it in your mind and in some way dropping the phrase down into the heart. May I feel safe. May I feel content or happy. May I be content or happy.
may I feel healthy and strong in mind and body. May I feel healthy and strong May I live with ease and well-being. May I live with ease and well-being. May I feel safe allowing the word safe to drop down into the heart. May I feel safe
may I be content. May I be content. May I be healthy. May I live with ease and well-being. May I live with ease and well-being. Again and again, just recognizing when the attention may wander off or there's 
some story. Just acknowledge future or past. And then aim the attention back. This breath, this heart space, this phrase. May I live with ease and well-being. The invitation at this point is to just use the one word with each breath, just repeating the one word of each phrase, safe. Content. healthy, ease, and allow some space between each word, allowing it to drop from the mind down into the heart with each breath. Safe. Content. Health. Ease.
noticing what arises in the mind and sending some ease and well-being there too. Collecting this energy, this feeling of goodwill, kindness, of positive regard. And as if this gem had begun to glow so brightly. That it shines beyond our own bodies and extends in all directions. Those in front of you, behind you, everyone in this room, next to you, may all beings feel safe Be content. Feel healthy. And live with ease. Extending this wish for everyone here in the room, those out in the Zoom, connected by this intention of goodness, kindness, friendliness. Those known and unknown to us Extending even beyond this room, loved ones, family, friends, people that piss us off, the bad driver. May all beings feel safe. May all beings be content. May all beings be healthy. And may all beings live with ease and well-being.
there is a, a teaching you can search the whole world over and not find another being more worthy of your own kindness and compassion. So bringing that wish, that intention, back to your own hearts, your own minds. Safe. Content. healthy, ease, relaxing into that space of loving kindness and care for our own minds, our own hearts, our own lives. And then in the next line of the teaching, you can search the whole world over and not find another being less worthy either. Extending out those known and unknown May all beings everywhere be freed from suffering and the causes of suffering. May all beings everywhere know the feeling of safety. being content in their heart. Feel healthy and strong. And live with ease and well-being.
Thank you for participating, for meditating with me. Perfectly timed. So, I'm just curious, kind of, what was that experience like? Was it easeful? Was it relaxing? Was it filled with good feelings? Or was there torment in the mind and every reason to not be content or happy or feel safe? Does anyone want to share? This is my first time here, and I really want to thank you. It really helped me to relax. You know, I'm still new at meditation, so bless you. Great. Thanks, Russ. Good. I think sometimes that's uh, the relaxing relaxation is a vital first step, you know, especially coming in after a busy day or chaos or, you know, whatever the situation. Was. It doesn't always happen. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't always happen. Yeah. Yeah. No. Great. Great. We have to be careful, though, not to be so relaxed that we fall the fuck asleep. Right. So much work to not fall asleep sometimes after a full day or just, you know, going on retreat sometimes like I, I, I heard I've never been to a retreat like this, but I heard that uh, there's some retreats where they just lay mattresses out and like or they, they just give you full permission the first two or three days. Just sleep when you want to just relax. Because through that relaxation, we're able to then have more concentration, more mindfulness. But if we're just like fighting the tiredness, I mean, I've been on some long retreats where it's like, it's a struggle the first few days. Um, it doesn't matter the length of retreat. It's going to be a struggle when we're first coming from, you know, our busy life into a space where we're going to meditate or, you know, try to gain some insight. So I'm happy to be a conduit for that happening for you and for you online. Did anyone have the opposite experience? Yeah. Yeah, I made a on my so my head was more I was speaking to a noise head. Uh-huh. And it was like when we were talking, and it was probably when we were saying like I did that point where I think that's when I think that's what gave me the most emotional. It was really kind of emotional. So that made me made me like stabilize. Oh, before you, you, you came or before you, you were a little bit more emotional and this helped you to kind of stabilize, but then your mind was wandering and sounds and yeah, that's the mind, you know, that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. No want. Go ahead.
it's been good. Mm -hmm. So I'm putting in about 45 to an hour on just metal. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, try to do the same with inside. Those are always work. I'm finding that I have reflex reactions with Sometimes I find that it's a really good concentration practice. Mm -hmm. You generate a lot of warm feeling, you feel very positive, mm -hmm. you will, and you can get a kind of buzz from it. Mm -hmm. Sort of like an edible type buzz. Right. For lack of another way. For sure, for sure. Other times you're just planting the seeds, you're just reciting the phrases, there's no energy, and you're just being stable. Uh, just, you know, put the faith in planting the seeds, saw the saw the seed, you know. Tonight was one of those nights, though, where doing the practice, I'm a very aversive person. I think I fit the bill person personally, but very, unfortunately, very <laughs> And a lot of the resentment kicked in. Sometimes I find when I do head up, mm -hmm. I think about being safe, and I think about times when I was put in direct threat mm -hmm. by people I was related to. Mm -hmm. I might think about being at ease. I might think about never being at ease. So those resentments kick in, and unfortunately, this was one of those practice times where mm -hmm. that kicked in in a big way. Mm -hmm. I was, okay, I feel the temperature, I feel the heat, the slowly totally starting to start different phrases to phrases, uh -huh. but the resentments started playing and playing. So mm -hmm. I had, tonight I had the, the opposite reaction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying not to hold on to the idea of, like, when I do meta, I want this. Yeah. Because that's another trap. Mm -hmm. so, Thank you. Yeah, no, you described perfectly the kind of the three common experiences that people have when they do metta. One is to become agitated and you say things like, may I be content or may I be happy? And then all of the, your memory just kicks in of all of the reasons why you haven't been, you can't be, particularly why I use the word safe, actually. Um, because for one, it's so important for us to feel safe in the world. Uh, the world isn't going to be safe, but can we feel safe? And can we feel safe in our bodies? Can we feel safe in this room? Can, you know, trying to find incremental moments when we can feel safe uh, is so vital, so important. And actual responsibility of the Dharma, actually. It's a, a, an outgrowth of the Dharma. For years I practiced that phrase, may I be safe and protected from you may not have harm. Don't say be. It was only until recently another teacher, Melissa, mm -hmm. uh, said, Just feel. Feel, yeah. Mm -hmm. In a way, you're setting yourself up to be in that place. That's right. That's why I changed it, actually, for myself on retreat. I, I, I kept arguing with myself. I, I'll never be safe. Yeah, the no world safe. is totally fucking unsafe, but I can feel safe in this moment. And that's an internal change. And then also my direct environment, how I feel in my direct environment. So anyway, so, uh, just to kind of, and I'm, I'll get to you, Amy, but just one second. Um, so there's the, the feelings of kind of contentment and kind of concentration, which are absolutely like repeating the phrases over and over, doing nothing else, just phrases. May I be safe? May I be happy? May I be, you know, may I feel content? Whatever it is, even just safe, content. That's why I like to use just the one word, actually. It's much easier throughout the day to go, just, to, just to use the one word, safe content, you know, uh, healthy, ease, just dropping that in throughout the day to a couple rounds uh, can be really helpful. 
and then there's this, and then there's the, the aversion that can come. Um, and then there is the, uh, uh, you know, the, the just really feeling that kind of warmth and the contentment that can arise. So great. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, Amy. I'm sure there was someone else in the room that was like, would that guy fucking shut up? <laughs> just talking so much. Because it's one of the, it's no, I mean, it's just, what I'm saying is it's different for different people, right? And it's one of the things about the metta and about the heart practices is that they are more guided um, because, and then starting with a phrase like, you know, may I feel safe and protected from inner and outer harm, right? That's like a full, for people who are very busy in the mind, using that whole phrase the whole way through is super useful because it, what it, it's collecting the attention. It's calming the mind. And then, uh, and then going, you know, less phrases and then just one word and then, you know, maybe, I don't know what happens after that. I think emptiness or something. Yeah. Ryan. We'll take a few more and then I'll, I'll do a little, a little talk about some stuff. Well, I'm just going to turn off my video to talk. Um, yeah, uh, I'm Ryan. Uh, yeah, man, like, I've been so, like, when you when you brought up Meta, I was like, fuck. Just <laughs> fuck. And, uh, you know, and then you're talking about the, the, you know, the wings and, like, needing the balance. And I was like, He's, I know this guy's right, you know, because, like, I, I'm very, um, focused on the you know the wisdom side and uh it's like you know fuck meta and uh you know <laughs> um and then i was just like but I, I love i love what this guy i love the words like i love i love the word safe that was just really beautiful and like trying to like you know practice that and uh go down and i just found my mind going like you see this is bullshit fuck you you know, fuck this, fuck everybody, fuck all of that. You know, like you don't need this. And it was just like just spouting um, very aggressively. You know, that was that was the what I was observing while I was attempting, you know, this practice. And I I don't know. I just thought it was uh, um, perfect. Some, some people were sharing. Yeah, it was perfect. Good for you. And then you just keep going. You just keep going. It might be that way for a couple months, a couple years. My, um, yeah, my beginning practice, it actually was desperation that led me to um, trying metta. I had a heartbreaking, wrenching relationship end where they were totally at fault, <laughs> at least in my mind. I had no part in it. And I, they had, did it, you know, it was just all bad. And I could do nothing. I couldn't meditate. I couldn't 
concentrate. I couldn't do anything besides recite the phrases. And I just used the three simple phrases at the time. And, um, and that helped over time. Um, and then, you know, yeah, my mind's shouting it's bad advice all the time, you know, that, um, was the beginning of my metta practice. And like you said, yeah. And then we just keep going. And I guarantee you it's useful. I guarantee you it will change the organization of your mind and it will create a new neural pathway so you'll have less negative self-talk over time. And actually, when the negative self-talk comes in, your mind will start to say stuff like, it's okay. You'll be all right. We'll get through this. One more breath. That's been my experience. So, I mean, see for yourself, right? Phoenix, last one, and then let's move on. Uh, thank you. Um, and thanks, everybody else. It's been cool to hear everybody talk. Um, yeah, just something that I noticed um, with the initial part of it where we were holding meta for ourselves um, was that a lot of what's kind of carried me initially with the practice has been um, you know the ability to sort of make amends for all the bad shit that I did before I kind of got into recovery and everything um, and so it's kind of like this idea of like oh, wow, I can actually clean my life up. And, like, that'll be cool for me. But, like, the main thing is to help out my friends and to, like, you know, make it so that uh, I don't just screw shit up for everybody. Um, and so there was, like, a realization halfway through this meta practice where, um, you know, it became very personal. And it, it wasn't just, like, oh, I'm using this just to, like, stop hurting other people, but, like, oh, I, I actually might be deserving of, like, feeling something good. Um, you know, sort, sort of, like, going from negative to neutral um, was the original goal, and then it was this sort of realization, like, actually, I, I could, like, maybe I deserve a little bit of happiness instead of like my, yeah, just aiming the the goal a little bit higher than just non-destructiveness, but yeah. maybe you know peace. Um, so that was interesting. Sounds sounds like you're uh, you're on the path, my friend. And it is a process. It's a process. It's a, like they say, a gradual awakening. It is a revealing, it's a excavation. We use all these different ways of talking about it. Um, yeah, it's also a purification of mind and heart. And this practice in particular is a purification of mind and heart. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to India or not, but in India and in some other, you know, areas and religions, they believe that if you dunk yourself in like, you know, blessed water, then you're purified, right? So the Buddha rejected that outright. He said, if, uh, 
if the river of the Ganges, the, this holy river, was blessed and would purify, then all of the fish and all of the you know creatures would be purified and enlightened, and every person that's ever dunked their body in that would be blessed, would be purified, and that's not the case. Greed, hatred, and delusion is still alive and well. He said the way to purify the mind, heart, is through the, path, the eightfold path, right? through the freedom from suffering, uh, the living in an ethical way, the uh, development of bhavana, this kind of meditative techniques to look clearly and see what's happening in the mind. Instead of just being, you know, uh, deluded, instead of not seeing clearly. Right. And then, and that this practice is a purification practice. Yeah. Speaking of purification, practice purification, when you find that your meta practice, uh, you know, you can't predict when this is going to happen, it's going to trigger. What is the skillful way of working with this? Mm -hmm. that it just seems so strong that you can't. Mm -hmm. Ideally, you do the phrases, you can, you're very concentrated, you obliterate mm -hmm. the negative stuff, mm -hmm. the hindrances, the defaults. Mm -hmm. But there are times when the story becomes really loud. Mm -hmm. It's system, it's demanding. And you're trying to stick with the practice. You're trying to get through the time period you've set the intention. How do you work skillfully with that? Yeah. Or you should, should you just the skillful thing to walk? Yeah, you know, uh, it's a great question. I'm really glad you asked it. And I'll, I'm going to repeat it because I think it's so useful. So what do you do when where the onslaught is, is real? When it's like the practice, the, the phrases are revealing wounds of the mind. Let's just call them wounds of the mind. Sure. That is uh, the practice. That is the practice of purification. And to me, what I have found, this is, you know, both psychologically and, you know, actually what I believe the essence of Buddhism is, is that when wounds of the mind or heart arise, particularly in metta, and we have, you've done the thing where you go like, I see you and I'm going to come back to the phrases. So at first you kind of just ignore it a little bit and go back. But what happens if it keeps coming? That means that there's something unattended that needs to be looked at, right? Like the Milarepa, like the story of Milarepa, right? The demons that kept visiting him at his cave as he was in his meditation, getting super concentrated. And then all these fucking demons show up, right? They weren't real demons, they were his mind, right? The stories, why we can't sleep at night, why this world is so fucking anxious. What is the depth of depression? That's what I'm talking about. Why is there alcoholism where people decide to drink themselves to death versus feel their fucking feelings? So what I'm saying is sometimes it's skillful to actually turn toward and go, okay, I see you. So then is that like practically speaking, saying drop the phrases and switch the insight with? Yeah. Switch gears to insight. Yeah. And just sit. That could be. Yeah. I mean, there's different views, right? This is my view. This is what I feel like has been helpful for me personally when I've been in those, those dark places. Um, and using the phrases and sticking to the practice, 
wasn't working. It wasn't relieving. It wasn't. And there's also there's a way in which, and I think this is a huge thing that that we should all be talking about, which is that meditation practice can be a suppression avoidance practice, right? Oh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna focus on my phrases, or I'm just gonna you know I'm just gonna breathe, or I'm just gonna say my mantra, or I'm just gonna do, and it's actually a suppression. And I think that's useful for a time, especially if we're overreactive. If people are overreactive, they're emotionally overwhelmed all the time, they're feeling, you know, then, okay, like that's just the mind. Ignore the mind and focus on the breath. Focus on the body. Focus on the phrases. And, but then after some time, you, you've been at this a while, you know, and it's like, yeah, I, I, this is what I used to call this. They're chinks of the armor. They're pieces of the armor of my, like, childhood ego structure that helped me survive breaking off that's a good thing it allows room it allows light to get in right so we have to we have to attend to that yeah let's not be confused this isn't like some mystical bullshit this is neuroscience this is psychology this is fucking emotional work that's what we're talking about, you know. Freeing your heart and mind or being enlightened doesn't mean levitating and like, you know, surpassing it all. It means doing the work. And you're, that's what you're talking about. So that's why I wanted to like repeat it and say, yeah, that's the work. So good for you. And that I would just invite you to turn to it. I want to make one more quick point and then I'll open up. So I said earlier, I, what I believe all of Buddhism is really teaching us. Most of us have a tendency to avoid or to seek, right? To seek pleasurable experience, to avoid that which is unpleasant, either by suppressing it, by numbing it out, by not in, by, you know, forgetting about it, by, you know, uh, dissociating. And so, and seeking pleasure, also numbing it out, uh, distracting. And what, ev what every teaching of the Buddha boils down to, in my opinion, is when something happens, know that it happens. Pleasant, unpleasant, or neither. Don't turn from it. Don't run from it. Don't fucking avoid it. Feel it. And yes, it's going to be painful. Life is painful. But it you can avoid the suffering for years and years by dealing with it in the moment. And then in the next moment, be free. And then the next moment's painful. And then in the next moment, be free. And that's, in my opinion, what all the Buddha's teaching is pointing to. And he said it 357 different ways. Of course, I totally made that number up. But he said it many different ways to many different people. But the essence is, as you're experiencing thought, feeling, sensation in the body, know what you are experiencing. Allow it to be there. Allow it to pass in its own time and be free from it. And we all know what happens when we don't do that, right? Yeah, those are the night terrors. That's the trauma that doesn't leave. That's the, the memories that come. That's the, you know, the addiction. That's the suffering on top 
of the original wound. Yeah. You had it, sorry. I had to get that out. Uh, yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, I was, you know, there with the whole meditation, loving yourself, this is great. Talking to people around me, and people in the room, people on the street, and then my family. I'm thinking of all these people, and then you brought up, you know, people you don't like. Yeah. People you resent. Yeah. You mentioned that, and I had a lot of kind of working through yeah. how do we use this or use this medication or you know, to deal with some of those you know, kind of persistent resentments that, that we're feeling as we're you know, loving ourselves, how do we love people that are difficult around us? Mm. It's not easy and it takes work. And what I appreciate about what you said um, is that you're able to get into contact with the feeling of contentment or love or positive regard towards yourself. That shows me that you've done some work already, right? Because most people, that's the first person on their resentment list, right? That's the first person that they're never gonna forgive is themselves, you know? So the fact that there's some work, there's some tenderization there already um, is good. That's a positive thing. And uh, so I told you the reason I started doing Metta for the first time was because I was so resentful at my ex, right? And, it, and I had a huge part in it, of course, right? But I couldn't see that at first. It was all her fault, right? And she was doing this to me, right? And so using the phrases, the meta phrases towards myself, towards her, towards my towards myself, towards her, towards her, towards her, towards her, towards myself, for over a time, it began to melt. And I began to see a little more clearly my part. And then I began some forgiveness practice for myself and for her. But it, it takes time, you know. And we don't want to start with the worst offender, you know. In forgiveness, in compassion, in, you know, we don't want to start with the worst offender, which is usually where the mind goes, right? But not that person. And that's okay. There's some of those, but not that person. But do they still wish to be happy, do you think? That person? Of course they do. Of course they do. You know? And so to just get on that basic, to try to get on that basic positive regard level, you know. I was working with someone today that was saying other people deserve, other people are worthy of good things happening, but not me. And it breaks my heart when I hear that. But I believe that sometimes too. And so doing that kind of, oh yeah, and that, like, what is that, like, where's, that's a, where we switch to compassion. What's that person's struggle? What's this pain right here, you know? We all struggle in that way. 
well, I'm not going to talk about all the things that I was going to talk about, because this is what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's a purification practice. This whole thing is about healing your heart. What other fucking work is there to do? Really? One of my uh, teachers, one of my old colleagues would say, uh, my wish is to live with an undefended heart. An undefended heart. And I've always loved that. May I live with an undefended heart. What's there to defend anyway? Any other thoughts or questions? Do you guys want to raise your hand or anything else here in the room? Personality types. Oh, there's a hand. Go ahead. Hey, I'm well. I just had an experience over the weekend that I feel like is very relevant to Meta, and I, I felt like I would be remiss if I didn't uh, share that. Um, but yeah, I just I, I had like. Um, a neighbor just do something like incredibly rude to me um and it, it was very interesting because i i didn't when i thought it was an accident it was easy like i i it was they like they parked behind me in the driveway because we share it super small thing i woke up had to use my car not a big deal saw it i was like fine uh i had to go wake him up it took like a half hour that was still fine i was like whatever they just they didn't know right um and so it was pretty easy to shrug off uh but then they got out and they as they're going to move it they like explained that they had actually done it on purpose because they don't want me to park in the driveway anymore uh not because there's like a rule or anything they just don't want me to and so that was their way of like getting my attention is is how they explained it uh and it was like once i realized that they did it on purpose mm -hmm. they like knew it was a lot more frustrating uh and it wasn't really anything like i didn't have any insightful way to handle that i just recognized like the complete difference from like being nonchalant to being like furious once I realized uh, Hard to somebody's not that one personal, huh? Yeah, yeah, it became incredibly personal once I realized the intention. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Uh, but yeah, and, and it was still something like so small, but it bugged me like the rest of the weekend. Um, yeah, um, and that was really tricky to get a, a grip on. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I mean, let me just be clear. Like, I don't got this down perfectly. 
Like I get pissed off when people cut me off and, you know, some of those old tendencies come back, you know, I'm not enlightened. <laughs> I'll prove it to you every day. Yeah. But I do appreciate that. Um, and that's oper- it is an opportunity to practice. It's all an opportunity to practice if we choose to make it that way. So I want to just address the, the personality type thing because we kind of just went down the, which, you know, metta is beautiful and we don't talk about it enough. And it's a difficult practice. So uh, the personality types, greed type, pleasure-seeking type, craving type, uh, aversive type, kind of resentful, quick to ill will, quick to anger. Um, Basically, a greed type is walking through life saying, I want, I want. And one of the ways that, well, let me go, and then the, the, the aversive type is walking through life going, I don't want. Constantly pushing away anything that could be painful, that could be pleasant or not, doesn't matter. They just want to push, keep away, protect, right? And then the delusional type doesn't notice either or. They're just kind of uh, um, not seeing clearly, just kind of distracted. And one of the classic ways to talk about this is, okay, so... A little visualization, going to a party, it's a housewarming party. When you go into the party, do you first notice all the things that you like about it? Like, oh, I like that couch. Oh, the artwork is nice. Maybe even if you came in here for the first time, right? You start to notice the things that you like, that you enjoy about an environment. Oh, there's people that seem, oh, that person, they're attractive, or they seem, oh, the food looks good. You notice all the things that you kind of like about an environment. Or do you come to the party and you, you're, you're early because you don't want to stay very long. You don't want to talk to a lot of people, right? And you immediately begin to notice all of the things that you dislike. Oh, I don't really like the, the color of that carpet. Oh, I don't, oh, the, the, I don't like the design. It's very not feng shui. You know, the, 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 that art just doesn't fit there. The food, like, you know, who does Mediterranean? <laughs> right? Oh, the people that, God, there's some people that are, like, annoying or, you know, do you start to notice all the things that you don't like that you're kind of, I want to just go, go outside and be like where there's no one out, out in the back, you know. I'm going to go check out the backyard in the very corner. Yeah. Or were you late because you couldn't find your keys and it was hard to find parking? And you walk in and you don't notice anything about the place because you just want to find your friend so that you can... Tell them that you're sorry for being late and that you love the place, even though you haven't really paid attention to any of it, and have a connection, right? The first is the greed type. The second is the aversive type. And the third is the delusional type. So how do we work with this? We all have bits of all of it, right? We all have, we all have a little, little greed in us, you know, a little miserliness. You know, the, the, the Buddha didn't call them the three poisons for nothing. 
you know, or the kalesas, the torments of mind, greed, hatred, delusion, right? So the, the ways to work with them, which is what I wanted to kind of talk about, and Noah will probably do a better job of talking about it next week or whenever. Maybe it'll be several weeks, so he, he, he would have forgotten already. Uh, he'll move on. So I'll cover it. And maybe I'll go through it again next week in a little bit more detail. But for the greed type, what's the work? Renunciation. To renounce the addicted, craving mind. To set aside that wanting. The second aspect is to be generous. Because most people who are greedy are also miserly, right? Me, mine. Because the greed type is all about me, mine, right? What can I have? What can I get? And then the antidote is to be generous. So some people naturally, because they notice this tendency of themselves, they become more generous, right? It's also where the Buddha said, start with generosity. If you can't meditate, be generous. You'll purify your heart. You'll, you'll learn to be kinder. Be more generous to yourself, to others, to the world, right? And if you can't stop with the wanting, learn to renounce, learn to put down, set aside. And that could be whatever it is, you know. Could be drugs, could be sugar, could be sex, could be internet, could be, you know, Working 75 hours a week. You know. <clears throat> Workaholism is encouraged in this country. Consumerism is encouraged in this country. Greed is encouraged in this country. And it's, it's a dead end. Ask the billionaires. They have a lot of shit, but are they happy? Truly? Maybe I've met a few. I don't know. Maybe... Um, What's his name? The guy that does all the music. Rick Rubin. Maybe he's pretty happy. He's pretty fucking rich, and I think he's pretty fucking content. I'd like to meet him. I'd like to meet him. There's probably a few that have figured it out, you know? So aversive type, the aversive type, loving kindness is the key, right? Positive regard towards self, towards others, all day, every day as often as possible, even though it hurts, keep doing it. Even though it feels like it's going nowhere, just keep reciting the phrases. If your tendency is to go towards the wisdom, do some metta. I like what you were saying, Juan, about doing, balancing it, right? Doing, if you do two sits a day, do one sit wisdom, one sit heart. You know, I don't care if it's 10 minutes, 10 minutes wisdom, 10 minutes heart, 10 minutes concentration, 10 minutes open, Forgiveness, kindness. Delusional types, you actually got it pretty easy. Because for the delusional type, working on mindfulness, mindful, attentive awareness, what's happening in the here and now, within me and around me in any given moment. This is the goal. This is the practice. This is the antidote. Not necessarily concentration, actually, because concent concentration has a delusional component to it. We've got to be careful of. 
See, one of the ways that, I, and this is always, this is something I learned a long time ago and I kind of practiced it myself because I had a natural inclinations. I, I used to think I was a total greed type and I'm pretty greedy, you know, but I didn't like Meta for a really long time. And then when I started to do it, I had a, I had a struggle, right? And I was like, oh, maybe I was so greedy to avoid my aversive type personality or just maybe I don't know being sober for so long I have shifted although I love donuts and good you know I'm, I like good I like good things pleasurable things I like pleasure I do I'm addicted to pleasure for sure but I think it's shifted some I hope over time All right, so I think any last kind of thoughts or comments before we end for tonight? Yeah. Um, I was at a cruise with Dustin, and I heard Noah say how he likes to play poker. He likes to gamble, baby. Like, no one likes to lose, but it could be more like, not so mad when like to just have fun with it and then and be like okay you lost but like okay good for that guy you won yeah so like me and dustin we always lose like it's just one of those games we're always losing but it made me think of noah just saying just have fun with it mm -hmm. and like that's the most important part and like one guy won ten dollars and we're like good for him yeah and instead of just being like just embrace the funness of why we do it. Thank you for sharing that. I yeah. mean, I'm sorry. It's really no, hard. no, it's, 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 I think it's useful. And what it sounds like it's, that's practicing selfless joy. That's practicing like, Oh, good for good you. For you is what he would say. Good for you. Yeah. Fucking bastard. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, I, I personally, and this is where I know I'm more aversive than I am greedy is that, um, I, like he's been trying to get me to like get really into poker for a long time. And I'm just not that into it because it's the giving of my own fucking money. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm, no. So I'm, I'm a little bit more aversive or maybe I'm a little bit more greedy because that's why I don't want to give it up. But the, no, it's, it's, I mean, it's a practice that I think, I think, I think gambling is, I mean, you should, somebody should talk to him about, but um, no, 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 he's, he, what I mean is like, it's a practice. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's all a practice, you know? I mean, we wanted to win that money. But of course, like... but you're okay with it. We, we need to end. Yeah. Mm. Thank you all for your time and your attention. I appreciate you being here and um, coming and supporting our center. Um, of course, there is a bowl that is for donation and we, sub we subsist only on those who, uh, you know, who donate to us. This is a pay it forward society. You are here because others gave to this center to allow the doors to remain open. And so there's a bowl for that opportunity for you to be generous and to practice what's called dana, which is generosity. And then uh, there's also a Venmo just below the bowl. If you have, you can Venmo or you can go online and you can donate. Those of you who are uh, connected, uh, you can see the link 
for donations that uh, Jeff put up. And there's a retreat happening next week. There might be a couple spots open if you're interested. Go to Against the Stream. I teach on um, Wednesdays in this room. I'll be teaching both classes for the next few weeks. And you can follow me on Instagram where I post crazy shit about not usually Buddhism, but sometimes. Uh, the No BS Buddhist is my handle. And um, yeah. All right, so let's uh, dedicate the merit. Merit is basically kind of like, where'd that? Merit is basically like the goodness that we've created here, all of us. You have created goodness by being in this room and practicing with me, with these people online. And that's what we want to cultivate. So we're going to do that and then we're going to share it because we don't keep it for ourselves. It's another act of generosity. So uh, may all the goodness of our practice be dedicated to the freedom from suffering for all beings everywhere. May we first take the goodness into our own hearts and minds and then extend out in all directions. May all beings be happy. May all beings be free from suffering. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.